Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week our guest is author and Washington Post journalist Sarah Ellison. Remember, we love taking your questions, so write into politicsworldroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. Now, we're going to get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. And please check out the link to this week's sponsor, Every Plate, in our show notes. We thank you for supporting these sponsors. It helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. James, uh, we are taping this uh, on Wednesday uh, before the first Republican debate. But uh, without any real prescience, I can already tell you one of the headlines uh, tomorrow morning or tonight. It's going to be the GOP debate was dominated by the man who wasn't there. There may be a subhead that says X, Y, Z. Maybe Chris Christie scored a point or two. Uh, This is uh, a a transparent fraud. Uh, This debate, it doesn't matter. Uh, Trump is way ahead right now. Ann Selzer's Iowa poll has him up 23. Uh, I continue to believe that at some point, uh, he's going to start to slip and even crater. But, you know, that's going to happen or it's not going to happen, having almost nothing to do with these debates. I don't blame Trump for not showing up. Why should he show up with people who are barely registering double digits right now? But we ought to remember, that for all the focus on the debate, more important, he had another really bad week. He's not going to enjoy 901 Rice Street in Fulton County when he's arraigned uh, Thursday. Uh, He's going to be treated like any other ordinary criminal. And some of his fellow indictees may be having second thoughts, knowing how Trump would never be loyal to them. The security chief at Mar-a-Lago got a new lawyer and just flipped. Apparently will testify that Trump sought to sabotage some incriminating videos on handling classified material. Uh, The Republican, former Republican Party chairman says, hey, these fake elector scheme that we did down there, that was all directed by the Trump people. Uh, Trump also finally decided he was going to try to raise money for Rudy Giuliani because he didn't want Rudy to start singing. So I I think we're going to see a lot more of this, and I think we're going to probably see more flipping than a pack of seals before it's all over, James. Well, um, first of all, they need to have a trauma unit on hand to deal with Ron DeSantis after Chris Christie gets through with him in a debate. I don't know, maybe they'll... Before the debate, they'll stick a screwdriver in his ear and give him some kind of adjustment. I, I have no idea. Uh, and, you know, Trump is not going to show up. I mean, my, my favorite, and I don't mean to pick on it, but Michelle Cottle in the New York Times says Trump owes it to the American people to debate. As if Trump thinks he owes anything to anybody. It's so, it, it, it's so disconnected from any reality, you know, and I see Brent Baer, who, you know, is, you know, one of the good Fox ones, whatever that means, say, you know, saying he must debate once for the American people. I mean, he's he not going to do anything. And, you know, he, he's in a race against time. I, I, I know he's narcissistic to, to the most extreme you can. I, I know all of this. I, I, I think this shit's starting to get to him. I, I think physically and mentally, you can't be facing 91 charges, going to the Rice Street Detention Center. I don't care who you are. It's going to take a toll. It's going to take a toll. It just has to. 
totally agree with you. And, you know, we are talking before the debate, so we don't know some things that may happen. But I'll tell you what I hope does happen. I want someone, someone, you know, Brett Baer, Martha McCollum, one of the other uh, uh, debaters or one of the other candidates, rather, to look at some of the remarkable things that Vivek Ranaswamy has made. Even in the era of Trump, he has said some of the most actively dumb assertions that I've heard in a long time. One, he's going to get parts of Ukraine to Russia. I didn't know it was his to give away. And then he's going to break up the China-Russia alliance. You know, George Marshall and Henry Kissinger eat your heart out. He suggested the U.S. government may have been involved in the 9-11 terrorist attack. And then he said he's going to cut 75 percent of the government, 75 percent federal government he's going to cut. Uh, now, I'm sure when they ask him, he say he's not going to touch veterans and he's not going to touch things that air traffic controllers and all that, which, of course, you can't do. Social Security. And he's going to get the FBI. You know, my guess is, James, my guess is that this guy is a uh, this is a flavor of the month of the, of the season, maybe. And he's going to go the way of Andrew Yang, Herman Cain and Larry Agron. Do you remember Larry Agron, James? Barely. He ran against you in 1992. He was the mayor of Irvine, California. And I think in uh, whatever it is, 30 years, people are going to remember Vivek Ramaswamy the same way they remember Larry. You know, Ramaswamy's actually got a pulse in a polling. And I'm just sorry, but there's a certain part of the public in the press court that just loves the idea of a guy, a tech bro, whose name you can't pronounce. Right. I I mean, this this is the the Republican Andrew Yang, but not even that. Yang was a lot more serious. And, you know, I, I don't want to put him in the same category, but they just fall for that shit every time. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he's got a message that the Republicans are like. He's going to pardon Trump, but it's not Trump's fault. It's the only thing they're going to know about him. Yeah, yeah. But he's the shiny new thing. That, 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 that gives you the state of the Republican Party. He, he's the shiny new thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, he really is. Um, you know, I, I, there's two things that I think I can guarantee Chris Christie will not be the Republican nominee. And secondly, he will have a lot of fun and add some zest to these debates over the next five months. He is tough. He is smart. He's got nothing to lose. And he desperately wants to atone for his service to Trump. So I think uh, you're right. He's going to go after Ron DeSantis. So what are you doing? A business a business Republican is not supposed to be going and attacking business the way you are. He's going to go after Trump, go after anybody. Uh, and he'll be the best debater, if that's the term you use on that stage, uh, Wednesday night and also in, at the Reagan Library uh, in another month. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, all, all of that's true. And uh, it looks like the, the, the London bookies last week we were seeing around the curve talking about the over on Trump's weight. It, 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 there's a lot of action on it, I'm told. Are they going to wait, James? Do we know that? Do we, uh, that yes, that, uh, according to people that are knowledgeable, that's part of the process. Now, you know, I guess his lawyers could negotiate his way out of it, but if they treat him like everybody else, he will be weighed. Yes. And 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 what is your over under now, on that? Well, I was at. I thought it was two eighty seven. Uh, right now, it's about two seventy three, two seventy four. That's the one. But all of the movement has been up all week, so who knows where to be tomorrow. Yeah, I think yeah. Rudy's going to post a good number, too. 
I mean, it won't be, it won't be Trump-esque, but I, but I think Rudy is uh, is going to impose a, a, an impressive number. But uh, we got to wait and see. The one thing we know about when they weigh Mark Meadows in, his brain won't con- you know will, won't contribute anything to his total weight. That that's pretty 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 clear. So it, that's a lot. But we got we got a lot of action coming this week. The reason to watch Mark Meadows is he's. I agree with you. His brain's not going to add a lot to it, but he's got an awful smart lawyer. And when you have an awful ah, smart yes. lawyer, the lawyer knows that responsibility is to the client, not to anything but the client. And so I would think I, that- I, they say he does that this guy Stanley Woodward that was representing the, these people at attorney, and he's a very credential Washington lawyer. He he practiced law with Stan Brand, who I know I knew Stan Brand. He was you know I go back to Tip O'Neill days with Stanley Brand. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, I, but this guy was you know as soon as he got a court appointed lawyer, he started telling the truth. And I, I've always wondered how a lawyer could represent Trump and all of these other potential defendants. But I and, and Stanley Woodward is a credentialed attorney. I mean, if you looked him up in Dun and Bradstreet, he looks like he's totally fine. I don't know. Well, you have to have both a good attorney and a willing client. And um, so, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. We'll see. But I, I do think, I think I'm, I may be repeating myself, there are going to be more flips than a pack of seals in the next couple of weeks. It's really, um, uh, these guys, these guys are going to realize, James, Trump wouldn't, wouldn't be loyal to anyone other than Donald J. Trump. And they know that. And, and so when Rudy came and said, hey, I'm broke, I need money. First, Trump told him to get lost. And then somebody said, hey, boss, let me tell you something. If this canary starts to sing, man, you are in deep, deep trouble. Now he's raising, what, 100 grand a pop for a uh, fundraiser for Rudy this week. Uh, you know, you know, we've talked about this before, but that, that might be the, the largest fall you can imagine in American politics. And, you know, I, I don't know, that guy was a big deal at one time. And, you know, it's, it's very likely he's going to die in jail and, and, and deserves it. He not only was America's hero and mayor uh, of New York City uh, uh, during 9-11, but in the run up to 2008, he was the front runner. He was the front yeah. runner for the Republican nomination. I always was a bit of an illusion. But uh, you're right. I, I can't think of anyone, anyone in American politics who's fallen as far as I, I, I don't think I can either. I mean, I, Nixon, but, you know, he kind of had a floor. I mean, people, I, I don't know. He'd be a, I, I'm trying to think if anybody could have fallen any further. And, boy, it's hard to come up with. Let me say something about Nixon. Uh, after his fall, I was working for the Wall Street Journal then. I went up a couple times because we had an editorial board meeting with Richard Nixon, who was, you know, he was guilty of everything he was accused of, but he could discourse on things and then rather interesting and in knowledgeable way for a while. Can you imagine? Can you imagine an editorial board in two or three or four years inviting Rudy Giuliani to come talk to them? Now, first of all, as you say, they probably have to get him out of the slammer or get him in jail. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it, it's it's one of the the. the I don't. It's I don't know biblical or what it is, but I mean, the the fall from grace and the totality of it is is just really amazing. And you know, Trump paid attention to him. Apparently, he's like a child. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know, there's some people that know him well, I've written books on him. I, I, I just hadn't gotten a good explanation, but I'll keep looking. You mean about Rudy? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. one explanation is he's always been rotten, but he just was able to camouflage it when he was the uh, crusading U.S. attorney and even as mayor, uh, particularly after 9-11. Uh, he did a lot of bad things beforehand, as Wayne Barrett and others wrote about it. Uh, he did, but I, I, I got to say, New York in the 90s was just anecdotally, but my, my experience was, was actually, you know, he won re-election by a pretty good bit. And there was a sense that under his, not, people will say it kind of started toward the end of, of Mayor Dakin's term. I'm, I'm sure that's right. Uh you know, a lot of the stuff that Reagan got credit for defense buildup started under President Carter. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. I, but he, he, my sense was he was a competent mayor and he was the U.S. attorney when all that happened. Yeah. You know, I guess his flaws were always there. But, but in, you know, 9-11, he did, he did grab the bull by the horn. He was the hero then. James, let me ask you this. Who... Who in the Trump circle in the last five or six years has a reputation either as good or better than when they entered? What's the guy's name? Uh, Miles? The one, <laughs> who? The Homeland Security guy. My, uh, something Miles. Who's, <laughs> the guy who issued the report. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, seems if, you know... No, I mean, but in in the again, the magnitude of the falls, you know, I, I, Rex Tillerson still strikes me as one of, and the guy doesn't even defend himself. He he he's just and he called Trump a fucking moron, which is of course he was right, but they they just. I don't know. I I can't understand that because he was a CEO of Exxon. He looks like a man who just is beaten and doesn't have any pride. I, but they, they all fall. They all, you know, fallen so far. It's it, yeah, it's I, ridiculous. I, I think I think Mattis, Jim Mattis, may be an exception. I do remember when they had that cabinet meeting and every and they televised. They brought in the cameras. I remember that to stand up and say how great Donald Trump was. I mean, it was I, it was really one of the. It's just one of the most humiliating, awful things I've ever seen. And Mattis, to his credit, stood up and praised uh, the men and women in uniform. And I'm sure that just infuriated Trump. Yeah, I I think General Mattis' reputation is intact. You know, he's done everything he can. You know, he leaks to Jeffrey Goldberg every other day. But, you know, there's things I, I, I do wish he would be a little more public, but it's... It wouldn't matter anyway. So what, what the hell? There's nothing these people can find out about Trump that's going to change their mind. No, you know, I believe that if Mattis and a handful of others, Kelly and McMaster and those who were in national security, you know, do at some point say not only do they oppose him, not only is he not, but he is a clear and present danger to the security of the United States. That may make a small difference. Uh, I don't. I got General Kelly and General Mattis confused. It's General General Kelly that leaks to Jeffrey Holberg all the time. Uh, Maybe I don't think an apology is called for at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, uh, uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, have fun on Rice Street. Yeah, (laughs) can't wait. I'm, I'm God Almighty. Come up with and you know what's going to really kill him and Rudy. It the number of 
uh, of black people that are going to be bossing him around and handling him is going to be astonishing. And just one thing you know about Donald J. Trump and Rudy Giuliani is they don't care for black people at all. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You get the drift. Yep. I couldn't. One of the things in the press, the, the, the night when they were going live and they were handing down indictments in Fulton County, and maybe I missed it, but I was going channel surfing, and nobody mentioned the kind of racial aspect of it. I thought it was, it was, it was really something about modern America and, and justice and what Trump was facing. But I mean, the the, the clerk was a, a black lady, the sheriff's a black guy, the prosecutors. You know, obviously a, a, a black female, and in uh, you know Trump's racism is, is well known, manifested. At least he doesn't try to hide it very much. And, and Rudy's is unbelievable. What they did, and we talked about this before, what they did to that Miss Shia Moss and her mother, or Ruby Freeman, it's that's the worst crap. Of it's 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 unimaginable. Somebody do that. In, 2023 in this country, but they did. Well, well uh, those those women, their their lawyer Michael Gottlieb is going to bankrupt Rudy before it's all over. Only problem is, I told Mike, only problem is Rudy may be bankrupt before he gets there. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah, I think he, I think he's going to be. Ain't, ain't going to be nothing much yeah. left. But I, I don't. They may end up suing Trump too. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will. We will. <laughs> We will have a vivid, uh, even though it's six days later, of Donald J. Trump at Rice Street uh, next week. Okay. Hey, James, we have our favorite media politics reporter back, Sarah Ellison of The Washington Post. Sarah, it's so good to have you back. Two most dominant figures in the conservative Republican circles have been Donald Trump and Rupert Murdoch. Never been an easy relationship. Privately, Murdoch thinks he's kind of an idiot. But your story, um, I guess a week ago, that Murdoch has been urging and repeatedly, I gather, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin to run, giving him all kinds of friendly treatment and his allies. I don't think there's a chance that Youngkin actually is going to run. But is this personal break with Trump permanent or is nothing permanent with Rupert? I mean, you have to look back to 2016 when Rupert was trying to get Mike Bloomberg to run. Um, He's never liked Trump. He's always thought he was sort of not a real billionaire, tabloid fodder, good enough for the New York Post, but not for polite company. Um, But he fell in with him, as we all know, very seamlessly for the four years that he was president um, and tried to break up with him after the 2020 election, saw saw the, uh, all the, the, all the viewers for Fox News sort of abandoned Fox, and then they kind of came back and got themselves into hot water with the Dominion lawsuit. So Rupert, I mean, every time I write a story like this that says Rupert is cooling on Trump or uh, has said something privately about Trump, says he wants to make Trump a non-person, as he did in private messages that we saw throughout the Dominion um, litigation, sort of never say never. I mean, I I think that the answer is nothing is permanent, but Rupert 
I mean, he's kind of getting old. I think his instincts are getting a little soft, actually. I think the Glenn Youngkin thing is, like, you think a pipe dream. Um, yep. But he just can't bring himself to uh, to fully ever break with Trump, but he keeps playing the field. Well, you know, as you say, we saw in the Dominion suit, the top Fox people, they both hate and they fear Trump. Uh, and they took a hit, as you, as you, as you noted in the beginning. Um, what kind of treatment is Trump getting now on Fox? It's not even bad. It's not yeah. even bad. I mean, he, you know, we just wrote a story this morning about how Trump and Tucker Carlson are, are you know, a week ago, Tucker interviewed Trump for an interview that is going to air during the debate tonight that Fox hosted official RNC debate. The same day that Tucker was meeting with Trump at, Bed at his Bedminster uh, club, he was doing another interview with Fox News that same day at a different part of the club. So Trump is not, Trump will interview with anybody who will have him. And Fox continues to have him. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. but No, it doesn't. Sarah, um, we, we noted that Fox took a big hit, uh, not only uh, with Trump, but when Tucker Carlson left. But I think I'm right. And you, you know the, the, the data, but five, four months later, whenever it is, Fox seems to be rebuilding the close to where they were. And Carlson is struggling. The interview with Trump Wednesday night is online. I think he's got a book out that's not off to a great start. Um, uh, I mean, I, that's been the story of Bill O'Reilly and others. Uh, when they leave uh, Fox, okay, Fox takes a short-term hit, but they end up okay, and uh, the others are never quite the same. Is that going to be the case with Tucker, too? Well, I'm awful at predictions, but Fox loves to tell you this very thing, that Fox is a machine, whether it's Glenn Beck or Bill O'Reilly or Tucker Carlson, individual humans come and go, but they know how to corner their audience and chase their audience. Um, sometimes they're to their own sort of corporate detriment. But Tucker, you know, I mean, we, if you remember six months ago, right before he was, maybe, let's go back a year, people were talking about Tucker running for president. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now that he's not at Fox anymore, I mean, I think the book, his authorized biography, is now doing a little bit better than what they said it was. You know, originally, there were headlines came out said it sold 3,000 copies. Now it's maybe sold 11,000 copies. But that's very different from what the Tucker Carlson that we were all talking about a year ago. Yeah. yeah. James. So, Sarah, I, I, again, if no one has an answer to this. I, if, if Trump offers you an interview, would you interview him? Or how would you treat him? I mean, he, he does interviews. You, you, he's a front runner for the Republican presidential nomination. He's also an adjudicated rapist. I don't know. Everybody criticizes the press and the coverage and this, that. What should be the parameters of press coverage for Trump? Is there anything? I don't know. I mean, people have been trying to answer this question since 2015, and we keep screwing it up again and again and again. I was just talking to another uh, reporter who was saying that the that newspapers and news outlets are falling into this trap again and again with Trump. Um, 
You should call him, you know, every time you refer to him, you should say, comma, who has been acute, credibly accused of 17 sexual assaults, or comma, has, is facing four indictments, um, comma, is right, racist. Right. I, I mean, nobody's figured it out. And he, I mean, this is now a broken record, but he knows better than anybody how to get attention. I'll just say one thing about this, this interview that he's doing with Tucker Carlson he, so he taped, the, they recorded this now a week ago, and Trump told his aides to keep it a secret that they had done this interview and was even telling Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chair, that he might still show up for the debate, even when he knew that he wasn't going to. So he was sort of playing the will he or won't he game and playing the media the whole time. Well, I, I, it's fair. All right, the media screwed it up. I, and, and, you know, I'm not a reflexive defender of, of, of the media, but everybody says we got it all wrong, but no one knows how to get it right. So, well, we, you know, 2016, we, 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 we certainly blew it and we made too much about, about the emails and nothing about his sort of corrupt business dealings and his personality. Okay, you got it wrong. Well, great. And you keep, it's well, CNN did that, and it was a big outrage, and it let them stack the audience, and you should have What do you do? I don't have an answer, and I haven't heard one, and I don't know if it's possible to have one. I'm not, I'm not being... I mean, people say you do things like you have a truth sandwich. When you say that something, you know, Donald Trump says something false, you start with the thing that's true, then you provide the thing that he said that is false, right. and then you provide more evidence for it afterwards. Um, but it sort of depends. I mean, what are you what are people trying to do? Are you trying to convince people who are? Um, well, I, I mean, this all goes back. I don't have the answer either. Right. I mean, I, OK, I, 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 yeah. that's fair we, enough. We can hang up now. We can hang up now. I don't have any. Answer. No, no, <laughs> that's totally I, it, it, I, I guess I would attack. You would say this is all wrong. I don't have an idea. They couldn't have that guy, Daniel Dale, 30,000 lies, uh, the, the Washington Post fact checker, Mr. Kessler, I don't know, 29,000 lies. And they don't care. No, I mean, there's this famous, wasn't there a famous uh, psychological experiment that if you tell somebody why they're wrong, the more you tell them why they're wrong, the more they think, they, the more they retreat to what they think is right. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff. And as you know, and how many times, you know, we send reporters in diners. You know, we send them to the state fair. We interview some slob. You know, my favorite guy of the whole cycle is the guy at the Iowa State Fair, Rapunga, that yelled at Mike Pence, I'm glad they didn't hang you, which is, was, a, it was a nice thought. But again, I, 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 it, I, and I, I'm a sucker for watching Trump voters be interviewed. And just sitting there, just unaware of, of, of how stupid they are. But it doesn't change. I, I don't. I, ha, I have no idea. I, I, I'm glad to be critical. I just don't have an idea for a solution. Well, I spent um, the day, I guess the week he was indicted in the third indictment in the Jack Smith case. Um, I spent the day with the Trump supporter watching Fox and Friends with him from, I mean, I, I should say I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania that is like the, you know, they say Philadelphia, Pittsburgh and Alabama in between. I'm from Hanover, Pennsylvania. Do you know who said Sarah Ellison? 
Did that? Did somebody? Am I quoting James Carville back to himself? You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, the quote was from, from Paoli to Penn Hills. It was Alabama without black people, but <laughs> that's a little too complicated. All right. All so right. it got. All right. <laughs> so I'm from that part of Pennsylvania. So I, I, when people were going to diners, I was like, I know, I know this country, but I spent. You know, I've been living in Brooklyn now for 20, 20 years. So I'm a little bit of a, not quite a Pennsylvanian anymore. However, spending a full day with somebody, watching Fox and Friends, watching Mark Levin, um, this person is never going to read the indictment against Trump, doesn't believe, you know, believes that Joe Biden has set his Justice Department unfairly against this man. I don't think there's any way to convince this person of anything that Trump may or may not have done wrong, no matter how, I mean, and I, you know, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not telling you any yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, and before I turn it over to Al, I just make the point, I, I, this person, and I know, if you were, you had a flat tire, he would help you. If, mm -hmm. if your mother died, he'd bring a casserole over. All right. He's not, it, he completely, you know, believes that it's, it's all a setup and there's an international cabal of, of, of pedophiles. It, that, that's what really gets to me. It's the, the Hannah Arndt thing, the, you know, the banality of evil and the crazy and they're normal. You'd see them and how, how you doing? If you told them you had a, a, a new child, it was great. Or, you know, you, you said yeah. this, uh, you know, I, I just, it, just how normal they are and they act and how crazy their views are. I mean, literally nuts. And I, I, I don't, I, I it, it's, it, it's, it's very vexing. Albert, I'm sorry I talked too much. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, yeah, and you didn't. And you, you said nothing critical about Hanover, Pennsylvania, so that's good. No, I don't. <laughs> I can't say anything bad about what, um, people in my own family. But they're, they're, they're wonderful people. But, you know, but, well, I, I got, whenever somebody says, I do my own research, I go, oh, holy <laughs> mother of God, please, just let me get out of here. <laughs> me, oh, my God. But, hey, Sarah, I think uh, I think you're right. It's just there's no easy answer to how to cover Trump, but there are some tests. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to be interested. I mean, we are taping this on Wednesday. I'm going to be interested as to whether they give equal treatment to the Tucker Carlson interview in the debate the way they did last time a few times. Uh, they should not. They being the media should not. It's a sub story somewhere. You cover it, uh, and I was really kind of I really was kind of horrified at that. At the second Jack Smith indictment, at looking at CNN, I mean, they followed the plane coming in and then they followed the motorcade. It was almost an O.J. Simpson. That's the kind of stuff that you don't have to do. You, of course, you cover Trump, but you don't cover him on his terms. I'm not sure they learned that lesson. I mean, I agree with you completely. Um, and at the same time, when people were looking for... Um, why did Trump win in 2016? Everybody had an answer. Right. Um, but the real answer was that everything was the reason. It was because she didn't do enough in, in Michigan, Wisconsin. It was because of Jim Comey. It was because of Russian trolls. It was because of all, I mean, nothing. 
But now there's no outside force that is making Trump popular. It's in the bloodstream. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the, and he's done such a good job of, you know, discrediting. I mean, you both will know this better than I do, but my impression is that Republicans have long felt that they get a bad shake from mainstream media. And Trump gave voice to that in a way that no one really had before, was successful in sort of turning the popular culture against the media in the way that nobody else has been. And, and that, I mean, that means that people who are reading the Washington Post are probably, I mean, I'm, I don't know who's, I don't know the political breakdown of the people who are reading the Washington Post, but I know plenty of people when I go to interview, you know, when I'm in Cobb County, uh, Georgia, people are really mistrustful of the, the Washington Post. Yeah. No, there's no question of that. Let me, let me go back to one more Fox question. Lachlan, the heir apparent, the son, as you noted, Rupert is getting up there in the years. Do you have any sense of whether he's at all different from his dad? My reporting indicates that Lachlan is more um, sympathetic to Tucker Carlson's view of the world than his father is. So he's further to the right than Rupert is. That's frightening. <laughs> That's frightening. But the company's, I think, much less powerful than, I mean, it's now diminished so much. They sold, you know, it used to have all sorts of different levers to pull. Um, and Fox is still bigger than any other cable network, but it's, um, it's not as powerful, I don't think, as it used to be. Well, let me ask you a question about the media generally. There was a lot of talk, and it was true, that there was a Trump bump. I mean, a lot of places, including the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, my wife's show and the News Hour, everything really did have a Trump bump. What's happened since he's left? Oh, I mean, it's just wasteland. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not that bad, but there was definitely, um, you know, everybody was tired once. I mean, once he left office, um, January 6th happened, and I mean, there were so many scandals the entire time he was president and people were just fatigued by that. And what you saw was, you know, as you pointed out, our traffic um, fell off. The New York Times' traffic fell off. People stopped watching as much cable news. Um, and that will never come back in the same way because Trump was such an unusual being, somebody that of the like no one had seen before. So even now, I mean, Fox is already preparing people that this debate is not going to get the same kind of viewership that it, that first debate that Donald Trump showed up and Megyn Kelly asked the first question about him being sexist. Um, they're already preparing people that this debate, even with Trump, wouldn't get the same kind of um, viewership because we've all, we all know who he is now. It's a different, people don't tune in the same way. James, do you have a final question or two for the fabulous yeah, yeah, You know, I don't think Sarah's, <clears throat> of course, I've been doing this for a long time and about, hear about the liberal media, you know, liberal academia. And my answer is these are all educated people. They're not, you're right. There's very few, you know, if you're a, a, if you're a female with a post-bachelor's degree, there's a 90% chance you're a Democrat. It's not unusual. 
All right, it, it, but it, that, that, so, you know, the post tribes, they get this Gary Abernathy guy to write every two weeks to talk about drama. They have, you know, a couple of columnists and, you know, a, apologists. I mean, and, it, you know, it, I used to hate it when I was doing campaigns and they said, well, you know, some that reporter, like, is a, I think is a real Democrat. I said, oh, God, save me from that because they're so guilty about their political leanings. They're going to go bend over the other way. You know, I'd rather have somebody. I mean, I'm serious. I've just watched. It's a human dynamic. And I'm, I'm sure that journalists and say, we just don't do a good enough job of understanding these people. We really have got to. And you see David Brooks saying, yeah, they kind of been maltreated and looked down. on." Oh, come on, man. You know, if you go to Iowa State Fair, most of those people are wards of the state. They wouldn't know what to do without Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, COVID relief. And if anybody had a real beef with America, it would be black people. If they, if, if what has happened to red America justifies January 6th, then black people would be justified in lynching us all. I shouldn't say that word. Would be justified in, in hanging us all, to tell you the truth. I, but there's just this great yearn to understand these people. And I think at the bottom, we may just have to come with the grips that they are capable of doing kind things, but essentially cruel people. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I wonder, there's a, um, there are a bunch of Bernie Sanders sort of, uh, former Bernie Sanders sort of political people who worked on his campaign right. now started a new company, a media company where they are focusing mostly on blue collar um, people who feel like no media, no, the Wall, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, like no one is speaking to them. And I think that that's something where if we're looking at economic insecurity and obviously I mean, we don't pay, in, you know, there are all these new startups that are going for college educated, um, mostly white readers. And we don't have, when you say we want to understand these people, but there may be bad people, I think that we don't spend enough time kind of, um, I think that there's a lot of justified grievance that people have, and we just distract them with culture war stuff all the time. I, I, I you know, shut up here. I, I think a lot of it is cultural, and I think that no one makes movies about them anymore. No one writes books about them. They're not TV shows about them. They're not even in ads. Okay, you you watch TV ads. If you're watching anything, you're watching a game on TV. You're watching a debate tonight. See how many people in the ads would be someone that you went to high school with in Hanover, Pennsylvania. The answer is not very many. Yeah, that, 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 that is a lot of uh, the cultural alienation. They don't feel like the culture sees them, and Trump does. That's that's I can do. I think that's right. Well, Sarah Ellison, you uh, as always have enlightened and edified us, and uh, we got a, got what uh, uh, fourteen and a half more months, I think, and we hope you'll come back early and often because you are you are the best. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Kind of, kind of, you know, it's kind of zigzag, but so what? This is life is. <laughs> one big zigzag.
Hey, James, now I'm going to combine the outrage and our screw the voter segment in, in, in one piece. As the Brenner, Brennan Center notes, sometimes overlook in the attempt to overturn the legitimate presidential election was the harassment and threats faced by election workers. One of the many virtues of the American election system is the tens of thousands of poll and election aides. But some MAGA-inspired thugs threaten them in 2020 and are threatening to intimidate them again next year. Look at what those poor Georgia women, Ms. Moss and Freeman, went through down there. It was just outrageous. However, an important counter has been launched by the Democratic Secretaries of State to provide private security for election officials. The, uh, the offer is for Republicans as well as Democrats. I doubt they'll accept it. It's called Value the Vote, a tax-exempt organization that seeks to raise $10 million focusing on helping secure the franchise in five states and stop the bullies from threatening election workers. Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Nevada. It also will seek to counter election disinformation like right-wing groups distributing flyers in black communities with incorrect voting dates or polling venues. It also is going to aid in voter registration. Already, some states have tried to legislatively block such efforts. But the executive director of this group, Travis Brim, says they are working with a top legal team to navigate any challenges. So if you really care about honest elections and not allowing bullies and thugs to disrupt or threaten citizens trying to aid and protect the precious right to vote check out value the vote value the vote it's about protecting democracy yeah i guess am i outraged i could like fox business channel accuse biden of letting the california storm in the country but my outrage is it's just it's more general it's it's like it's what the california storm the evacuation of the capital of northwest territories people in maui jumping into the ocean the the 101 temperature off the florida keys of ocean water the the every day is breaking another heat record it's unimaginable in texas they're talking about training third graders in bleeding centers and schools and mandating what supplies each school has to have. It's, it's Donald Trump. You know, I hate to say this, but we went to post today with this election, and it was Biden, Trump, uh, a no-labels candidate in Cornell West. It'd be no better than 50-50. I, I know we take some solace and we think the whole thing is going to change. It's, and I, we've had bad times in the country before, but I, I just hard to look at this and you look at, well, say, as a Republican Party and, and you know, in Biden, the, the, the public doesn't want the choice that it looks like they might have in, in, in 2024. You know, I've always tried to be an optimistic guy and, you know, got a new grandkid, or, you know, women's basketball championship, baseball championship. No doubt we're going to be you know, pretty sure will be top 10. Shit could be, you know, top three. It could be anything. But it it's just when you look and you look at today and you look at the immediate future, it, it just it just doesn't give you much hope. And 
in this climate stuff, and I don't think I'm wrong on this. I don't think anybody really disputes me. It's so awful. It, 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 it's almost like you're living in the end of the world. And, you know, these people and these retirees from the Midwest that live in the Florida Keys, they'll get, you know, maybe not this year. I hope not. I never wish a hurricane on anybody. Don't get me wrong. But somebody's going to get it and somebody's going to get a lot of them. Uh, it's... It's just horrific. The, the whole thing. I'm, I'm not very. When I look across this country, I don't, I don't see much to, to feel good about at all. And I can understand how, with three and a half percent unemployment, people are saying things on the wrong track. I don't know, but it it it. it the more that I think about it, the worse I feel. Well, we, we, you know, if we if we avoid the threat of a Another Donald Trump administration, that'll be one good thing, but we still got a long, long way to go. Some good way. things are happening at the local level, James. I mean, there's plenty of things. I was at Andy Bashir last night. There was a, you know, we had the largest fundraiser in Kentucky history. And I mean, there would, you know, their job, their, their economic development stuff is just unbelievable. I mean, the way, of course, he, thing he's most known for is dealing with climate disasters. I mean, you, Tornadoes, EF5s in Western Kentucky and floods in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, I told God Rashid, I said, maybe the best way to run against you would be just bad luck. <laughs> but yeah. you don't think it has yeah. anything to do with Governor Bashir's luck. And he's such a talent. Oh, my God. But, you know, we and I talk about this all the time. This utter nonsense that there's no bench in the Democratic Party. It, 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 let me tell you, Andy is not just because I was there last night and he's a friend of mine, but he's he's every bit as good as any of the other people. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, is, it is a deep, talented bench. It's just a shame they have to stay in the uh, but I, I guess, you know what, I should be. That uh, should be optimistic because the only salvation for America, we know this, is the Democratic Party because there literally is no Republican Party. And there's enormous amount of talent that's sitting in their own deck circle. So I don't know. Maybe. All right. You talk. I'm starting to feel at least a little better. Well, that's good. <laughs> Everybody try to try to, you know, make James James feel better. This I, I feel good about the future of the Democratic Party. Good that's happening. OK, everybody. Right. James Carlin. Right. Now for our listener questions. And again, James, they are good. Pete in Raleigh, North Carolina. That what's the fate of all the reasonable Republicans? They deserve representation. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place, having to choose between the Democrats and the conspiracy spewing, voting suppressing Republicans. Do they try to retake the Republican Party, form a new party, or try to influence the Democrats? Well, my answer would be there's only one hope for the United States, and that is the Democratic Party. But Again, I have been consistent on this for a long time. I'm going to remain consistent, and I am positive I'm right. The problem with the Republican Party is the quality of people that vote in their primaries. Shitty, stupid, bigoted people are going to produce shitty, stupid, bigoted candidates. 
And, you know, you can say you get frustrated at Republican office holders. You can get frustrated at everything. But the truth of the matter is these people are not going to change. That, that's the bad news. The good news, they're not 50 percent of the country. But where, where you get hurt is we should be united in our opposition to them. It, it, it might until this passes and the actual tables kick in sufficiently that they're not a threat anymore. I think we got, you know, is flawed, and trust me, I know how flawed it is and convoluted and conflicted it can be. I think the only hope for the United States of America is the Democratic Party. I really do. Okay. I really do. James Lynn in Riverside, Connecticut, asked, has there been any talk at all of trying to get Michelle Obama to run alongside Joe Biden as VP and getting Kamala Harris back in the Senate, taking the place of Dianne Feinstein. Kamala would have a stronger voice then. Lynn, there's only three problems with that. Number one, Michelle Obama has no interest. Number two, Kamala Harris has no interest. And number three, Dianne Feinstein shows no interest in leaving the Senate early, even though she probably should. So um, I, I, I don't... I dislike the idea, but it isn't going to happen. So, Lynn, let's focus on the you know, world. I, I guess I've read, I think this is true, I know I read it, that, that her, fam, her financial business is now being turned over to her children because of the issues. You know, it's kind of hard to say that you can't write a check, but you can be in the United States Senate. I don't know. I mean, in in uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in people appropriately pay homage to the, the the great career she's had and the real courage she's had. I mean, she's had some courage, particularly on some of these intelligence issues. Intelligence. I mean, she's had a you know a, a, just an exemplary record as United States Senator, and it's sad to see it end this way. Well, and, and it doesn't, you know, I, I, again, I think it's time for a new generation, but the person that she stand hurts the most is, is, is Joe Biden. And yeah. I, again, I, it's my admiration for Nancy Pelosi just knows no limit, you know, and I don't know why people can't follow her, her lead and let these, let's get these talented young people up and running and, and, you know, in positions of power, in places where people can see what they can do. I mean, let's, I, I, I don't want to talk about what Gretchen Whitman is capable of. I want to see her do it. The same thing with Wes Moore, the same thing with Josh Shapiro, or Andy Bashir, or anybody. Yep. Okay, James, we're going to give a, we, you know, got a homeboy for you. Tony in New Orleans. All right, Tony. You are fond of saying that black turnout for Democrats is tepid at best. You're right. Why don't Democrats hammer these Trump attacks uh, on Fannie Wills, the on Shea Moss, Ruby Freeman, and Alvin Bragg? I, well, first thing I, I'd say to Tony is, I, I think they see that. I, I mean, in 2022, it was it was very uh, lukewarm, mediocre black turnout. It, and you saw, in, in, I mean, black people are aware. They saw their, their willingness to use racism. They saw their willingness to do that. They, they can see what they did to, to Shia Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman. I, 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 I think we can accentuate it, but I don't know 
I don't know how, and you try everything you can. I mean, they've tried, Ben Wickland, Wisconsin, I can't tell you the the stuff they did. They tried creative stuff. And I think we have a problem. A lot of it stems from younger black males, and they kind of hate, you know, their image of of the Democratic Party, I think, is, is wrong. But their image is just a bunch of preachy people, you know, that, you know, doesn't want them to, you know, go out and drink and have fun and watch football games. <laughs> and they, they just, they, they react against it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 that's part of what it is. I don't know, you know, how you address it deeper. We clearly have a problem communicating with, with, with younger, well, not just younger blacks, but younger, you know, younger people of color. And I think that they think, not justifiably, but that we're in control of a, a bunch of preachy, you know, a bunch of preachy stuff. And the party, the other thing that's hurting us, I, it, we're just too feminine. I mean, I understand that females are, you know, 52% of the voters, but our our message is every time I, I, somebody's on TV, you talk about we got to get to the women's votes, and, and it, it's it's really critical. We obviously have a gender gap. We do better, but they're, they're putting off males here at some point too. You got to be careful with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, can, you can well, just you can go too too hard in PR, and it, 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 people just don't feel like you know. If, I, if I'm a guy working in a tire repair shop in Atlanta, I, I don't feel like to. Democratic establishment really respects my life. And I think that's the way that guy feels. Yeah, I think you're right. Jim in Babcock Ranch, Florida, says, is there anyone else in America now or in recent memory who has been charged with 91 felonies (laughs) inside or outside of politics? I'll tell you, I've never heard of anyone with that many. I mean, Trump made this is one of, you know, could be a new record. Uh, and as Goldwater did with Nixon in 74, who would it take to say to Trump, we're done? 91's enough. We're not going for 92. Your support is gone, and I'm going to say so in public. Is there any Republican today who could fill that role? Jim, I'm going to disappoint you. The answer is no. There's a few Republicans who I think speak out. The bulwark is must reading every day. They're former Republicans. Um, there's a couple, a handful of office holders at that, Mitt Romney, but uh, no one. I mean, Nixon was done, actually, when Goldwater went down there in 74, along with Hugh Scott, but he went down. And um, I, I think most of them are cowards. And James, those enablers are going to be treated almost as badly by history as Trump. Well, the thing is, is that, well, the bulwark doesn't have to get any votes. You know, uh, Mitt Romney's, you know, he'll probably be okay. And you talk the rest of them, they, it, it's their voters that are the problem. And if they do anything, any such thing as this, they're going to lose the election. And, and until they get better quality voters, we're going to be continually be stuck with the same results. And man, if, if 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 being indicted 91 times, if being an adjudicated uh, hell liable rapist, if if you know getting billions of dollars from the Saudis, from having a a meeting with Vladimir Putin was only Putin, Biden, and 
Putin's Russian interpreter, kicking the State Department interpreter out of the room. If that doesn't move you, I, I, I don't know that one Republican senator saying something or a House member saying something is going to really matter. I, 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 the problem is they're voters and, and their politicians know what they're dealing with. It, 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 it's just what it is. And, uh, yeah, he has some Will Hurd, oh, oh, boy, he's going to do great. You know, Chris Christie. I mean, no no one's taking him on harder than Chris Christie, and no one is going nowhere faster than Chris Christie in a Republican Party. Yeah, no, uh, that's absolutely right. So uh, it is uh, it is what it is. Uh, uh, Jeff, all right, James, get your odds calculator out. All right. What's more likely, Trump fleeing the country or going to jail? Boy, I tell you, I would have got, said going to jail 15 to 1, but he's thinking about it. And, you know, if I were him, if I were Donald Trump, and I could get Putin to cut me a deal and stay on the top floor of the, I don't know, the Ritz Carlton in Abu Dhabi, which doesn't have an extradition treaty. That's one of the places, a few places that don't have an extradition treaty. I mean, he could go to Russia, but the danger is that, you know, Putin loses power. But I, if I were him, I'd get the shit out of here. And I, I don't know that none of these people are making him turn his passport in, which is pretty standard. I, I, I would make a, 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 a Decent book. It's a very good question. It's a provocative question, and it is not a silly question at all. Right. And I, I like anybody else. You know, I think, man, if I was this guy and I was looking at all of these legal fees, I was looking at all these civil forfeitures I'm faced with, you know, and I don't care how narcissistic you are. No one wants to go to the freaking penitentiary. He's not going to have any kind of life. I, 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 and I don't know how the Supreme, what would the Secret Service do, be able to do in a situation like that? I have no idea if there was a, a warrant for his arrest in the United States, but if he was in a country, he didn't have an extradition treaty, and he had, <clears throat> you know, paid off the leaders or whatever. I, I don't know. But if I were him, I would be actively thinking about this. I'll bet you that one of these judges uh, in the next couple of weeks um, takes his passport away. But we'll see. That's for all the reasons, but he ought to get the hell out of here while he's got I mean, I, Of course, so he doesn't have a passport. But the Abu Dhabis don't give a shit. <laughs> now, what would the pilots do and the, the, the Secret Service? I don't know. But I'm telling you, I would be thinking of this every day, every minute. Gail says, I've heard you say a number of times, that Republican Party's nominee for 2024 election, that Chris Christie has absolutely no chance. Would you elaborate? They are not going to nominate anyone who doesn't pay homage to Donald J. Trump, however they do it, however insincere they might be. And Chris Christie is going to make a name for himself by attacking Donald Trump every chance he gets. It'll perform a valuable public service. But I'm sorry, Gail, he ain't going to be the nominee. So... A majority of the Republicans, all of this just validates their worldview. They believe that he's being singled out because he's the only person to pay attention to them and the globalists and the, the Democrats and the corporate media, uh, uh, Hollywood elites, pedophiles, you name it, are all united in a desire to 
hurt Donald Trump. So if 91 indictments is just a lot more proof that they're right to them than nine indictments would be. It's, it's a, you're feeding on a, on a, it's, it's a hamster wheel. You can't get off. And so yeah. every terrible thing that happens to them is further proof of their correctness of, of their worldview. Uh, it's it's really amazing. Joni, we're going up to Massachusetts now. James, right, been- Joni and Amherst says both of you listeners have bemoaned the lack of messaging and effective marketing from President Biden. He has the platform and the speechwriters. So why is Biden not making his case directly to the American people through public periodic addresses on TV or Internet or even all the Roosevelt fireside chats? Well, uh, boy, do I get that question. John, thank you. That's, uh, I think he's trying. I, I mean, to the extent, in, in, you got to understand, and I, I say this, you know, he's an admirable man. He's done much better than any of us thought he could do. He's had an admirable life. He, he's not a salesman. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, he couldn't sell air conditioners in Phoenix. Or whatever the, the metaphor you want to use, but it's a good quote. I don't think, and he, he's just limited as to what he can do. And the, the, the hardest problem in politics is how you tell people the economy is good when they don't think it is. And I, Bowie, when you look at that, but gas taxes are now back to a year high. You know, food inflation is still sticking around. And I, I don't know if people are susceptible. I, I, you got to try, but I don't know if they're susceptible to a good economic message. Even though by every measure, every standard, the, this, the, the economy is good, really good for, for workers. But I don't, I don't know if they can be talked into it. I really don't. And no. I, I, I know that Biden is not the greatest communicator ever by far. No, and he doesn't have anyone around him is either. But let's let's uh, because the record's there, and let's hope they can do a better. Better job in communicating. Okay, please keep those uh, letters, emails coming in. If we didn't get to, to you this week, we'll get to you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the link to this week's sponsor, EveryPlate, in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting them because when you do, you help make this podcast happen. Now, to keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also find other shows you might enjoy in the Politicon YouTube channel or when you search Politicon on your favorite podcast sites. And remember, please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our war room planning.